Hello and welcome to episode 228 of the Football Index Club Daily Podcast. Today I'm joined by Kevin, Index Moneyball, a regular guest on the pod. Uh, thanks for your time again. How are you doing today, Kevin? Doing well, mate. Yeah, been some pretty good football last few days and uh, looks like the transfer market's starting to get going as well, which is nice. Yeah, things are really picking up again. I have to say, like, I've watched every game over the last few weeks um, and I was getting almost a little bit bored of watching the games every night. Um, hate to say that, but after the Atalanta PSG game, I was like, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it's getting quite difficult to watch every single game with so much attention. And then last night came along and my eyes were just on that game the whole time. It was one of the best games I've watched and really lifted my spirits and hopefully some other traders on Football Index is spirits as well. Uh, did you manage to watch the game? I didn't because I've been... We're all on while I'm at work. Obviously, today I can watch the game, but I might be uh, not able to even do that. But uh, I saw the highlights for all the games. Um, I, we were just talking before we started. It was a pretty good game last night for us too, because uh, two of my pick of the days won dividends, and then one of your big holdings as well. So that was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the exciting thing. I mean, I guess you don't always need to watch the games to uh, go back and have a look and see, you know, who's done well, and that's always. Part of the fun as well, um, of course. So, how's your week been anyway? Um, I guess football index is kind of my port has been kind of languishing. So, I still have been looking every day at trying to find value. I've been focusing on buying players who not only are players I think are going to do well, but also have really wide spreads. Like, I'm trying to find players who I can get the, the minimum bid, and it's the top top bid, if you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah. if someone decides to sell, then I would be the next player to buy. Um, just to try and keep me interested. I, I think that's the, the reason I've been doing it, to try and like seek out the good deals. And some of them have been going through and been getting some good deals. So I think overall, with with the transfers picking up, it's, it's definitely getting more interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the sort of problems at the moment is the kind of psychological visual side of the rises, because you will have traders like yourself who are, still hunting, still doing the research as ever, finding value players, but it's maybe not so prevalent or it just can't be seen as much because players' market prices aren't rising, but instead traders are buying within bids. And so there's a big psychological impact and there's less of enthusiasm, excitement and speculation going on as we have seen in the past when market prices are going up and you know, you've got like the trending list and you've got the squad and top 200 rises. At a minute, like yourself, you're buying players and it's maybe not as psychologically exciting because you know that player is not going to suddenly rise 10 or 20% in price like we've seen in the past. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, what sort of players have you been going for? Any players in particular that you, you want to mention or not? Uh, I'll just have a quick look who I've got bids accepted for. Yeah, I've not really been buying anyone at the moment, if I'm honest. I think my money's still sort of tied up and I'm kind of taking a little bit of a cautious approach in many ways, other than some really long-term holds. But I think it'll be interesting to see what happens once phase two comes in and the spreads maybe get tighter. But I think at the moment, now probably is the best time to buy actually within the wide spreads if you can get a player at a really discounted price on their market price. It's just, for me, I sort of have all my money tied up and I, I'm, I'm not really in a position to do that personally. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on 
somewhat long shot bets. Players that I think are good players could potentially win dividends, and if they got a transfer, they would, um, or if they increase the game time, depending on the situation, if they, you know, it would really increase the prices. So Luciano Vieto, a sport in Lisbon, he nearly won dividends on a Europa League day last mm. year. Now that Bruno Fernandes has gone, he seems to be the new number ten, kind of. And mm. so I got picked him up for seventeen p. So if he was to win on a Europa League night and. Uh, <laughs> He could basically return his full value in one one gold star man. Yeah. Um, Umar Sadiq's another one that I quite like, and I think eventually he's going to move back to a PB league. Um, so yeah, picking... they're not bad shots at all. Vieto at 17p seems pretty decent value. I mean, like, he's going to be playing probably in the Europa Champions League for like three seasons. I'm not going to look at his PB scores, but that doesn't seem like too bad a shout, especially if Sporting get quite a easy group because they are pretty decent side and you do get some pretty poor sides sometimes in like the Europa League if they ended up in there. I think I think they've are they qualified for the Champions League? I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure either to be honest, but I know they're in Europe. I have yeah. looked recently but um another one I've I've been buying is Kevin Malqui at um Napoli. So he was injured for almost the whole season. He just started coming back. I think he came off the bench maybe in the last game. But um mm-hmm. He's a good player and he can definitely win PV and I picked him up for 20p. So, again, if he won a star man or if he won a couple of gold day top defenders, that's his whole price returned. Yeah, yeah. Fair play. I think there's always going to be a risk with those sort of players about selling them. But if you're buying them at these discounted prices, it's actually not that far off the instant sell. Like, I've just had a look at Kevin Malkreet's instant sell now. It's 18p. So, you know, you're not really going to be in too much trouble there. Um You'd imagine anyway, unless that spread really widens. But I think there's a decent chance you'll be able to get bids for him over the next three seasons at some point, as long as you're, you're patient. And this is what we've talked about quite a lot on this pod- podcast is it is going to come down to being even more patient than in the past when it comes to the lower price players because of the lack of liquidity. You're going to have to wait around until they have a good game. And I did some analysis on my recency bias lately. And players, after they hit a PB score of 250, for example, the average rise after their first PB score of 250 is over 20%. So it's, it's absolutely massive. And then you compare that to the average rise throughout the whole season, it's like taking up like over 50% of their total rise throughout the season is just in that one week after their high PB score. And that just shows the impact that recent events really have on the market and the demand. So at the minute, I think you can get some really good value players, but you may be waiting on them for quite a while, maybe even up to three seasons. I don't know. But there will probably come a point over that three seasons where they do have one good game or they gain some transfer links or they may be even a media dividends. And then if you can sell them at a decent you know, buy price, a market price to the market, or they even increase in price, you're going to be looking at incredible returns. Yeah. And uh, another player I've been looking at is Juan Camilo Hernandez, who I know we both own and yeah. I don't know if you saw but he's actually just gone out on loan to Getafe oh has it I hadn't noticed now oh, that's a shame that they're not in Europe I think they came 8th in La Liga so he's, he's just missed out but that's a really good move because you know they're a top 10 side in La Liga like a lot better than well a bit better than Mallorca aren't they um, so yeah that's, that's great news yeah and I, I, really, I didn't want Watford to get um, relegated because I was hoping he would come back to England but then when they did get relegated I thought well maybe he'll go and play in the championship next year and start playing well and build up some hype but I, like it's obviously a bonus for him to be in a PB league next year because I wasn't banking on that after after they were relegated 
yeah, I think the best case for him was probably either sticking at Watford while going back to Watford and actually getting game time and doing what many championship players have done there, which is just rise huge amounts in price. Like I was doing a player analysis of Ollie Watkins earlier today, and he's like a 24-year-old at Brentford. Yeah, he's got 26 goals this season, but he's played 49 games. He's like not missed a minute, which is pretty incredible. And But he's £1.71, and he's a lot more expensive than many Premier League forwards, and he's not that great other than his finishing and heading. So someone like Juan Camilo Hernandez, I reckon he could be like a 20-plus goal player in the championship. But nevertheless, I think it probably is maybe best for him overall in terms of his progress and his development to play in La Liga at a stronger side like Getafe. So hopefully that one pays off. I've got a few shares of him left. Uh, we'll wait and see with that. Um, so final question then. Over the next sort of four weeks or so, any plans in terms of what you're going to be doing with your portfolio? And also, when do you expect phase two to come in? I mean, we can only speculate at the moment, but any idea on that? I'm not sure when phase two is going to come in. In terms of my portfolio, my only plan is to continue to prep for the new season. Um, I did my prep for the transfer window last year, so I'm still monitoring, like, just before I came on to talk to you, I was trying to see if Gertz had made any moves. I saw that he turned down a move to Inter Miami, so I was pretty relieved about that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I would have been pretty good if he'd have gone there at 27 or 28, whatever he is. Um, Steven Bergwies is another one who I've gone big on last year, and if he... Like he was linked to Roma not long ago. I think if he gets a move to a PB league, that would be a huge win for me. So now I'm just focusing on players who I think potentially could win PB and who I can pick up for, you know, effectively like pennies on the pound compared to what they should normally cost if the season was going. Yeah. I was watching some of uh, Robert Lewandowski's highlights earlier this week after I think, or it might have been last week, when he had a really good game and I think he scored two and got two assists. But anyway, when he scored four goals in like space of, I think it was 10 minutes. No, it was nine minutes he scored four goals. And Mario Goetz actually did really well in that game. I forgot I forgot about Goetz being at Bayern Munich and actually playing pretty well. But yeah, he, I think he provided two assists for those goals. And I thought of you anyway. Any, any other thoughts on the market at the minute? What do you reckon to the general liquidity in the lower end? Do you reckon the, those problems are going to be resolved anytime soon? Um, I'm just sticking with my theory that eventually football and next have no choice but to fix the problems that are currently present because otherwise if there's no liquidity, there's no trading. If there's no trading, then there's no fees for them. So they have to you know, work out a way to get things going again. Um, I've said before, I think my preferred strategy would be for them to place a floor under each price, which is an instant sell price that football and next would pay you at maybe a 20% discount or something. And then Everyone can bid above that if they want to. Um, but the other thing, I guess, talking about what, what I'm doing while I'm not focusing as much on trading because I just haven't got the money and there's not much football going on, so there's not as much dividends rolling in. Um, I've been looking a lot at like the best players in the world and when they became good. So I was looking today to see when Kevin De Bruyne really started developing. Mm. And I think when he left Chelsea after his loan to Wolfsburg, he was like 23, so he wasn't like, showing signs of being world-class at that age, which gave me a lot of hope because I have a few players who are still like not broken to the teams. For instance, Amadou Haidara, I think he's 22, and RB Leipzig. And he's really not got a look in this season. But when he has played, I think there was one game where he played like 60 minutes and got six chances created. So I'm, I'm thinking of trying to find the, the sections of the market that are overlooked. So players who maybe 
are not young, but they're not, you know, developed fully yet and they've not fully shown the promise. So, like, another one would be Maxwell Cornet, even though he's had a pretty good year. But, like, yeah. a little bit older, he wouldn't be classed as a youth in the same sense as some of the, like, really big names, like Greenwood and Foden, you know, they carry huge premiums because they're so young. Yeah, but yeah. they're also probably close to actually developing into, you know, a re- if they're going to turn into a good player, that they're going to be doing it in the next year or two. Yeah, well, that's a really interesting point. And I was doing my level two scouting course today, actually, with the PSFA, I think it is. And they were, they're like this picture, right, of like three frogs. They're all like hanging on to this branch off a tree um, or like a twig or whatever it was. And some of the frogs were like just hanging on and like really struggling. Some of them were kind of just in the middle of this sort of branch and were fine. They didn't really have any problem. And then there was one who was like standing tall and was really confident and just looked completely comfortable basically. And they talked about how there's lots of players out there and every player will be in one of these stages similar to the frogs where wherever they're playing, you know, they're either really comfortable or maybe they're not quite there yet and they're maybe playing at a level that's too high for them or whatever. Basically, we're just talking about different stages in your career and then they use like Danny Welbeck as an example at Manchester United. I hadn't realised, but he was scoring like nine goals in the Premier League for Man United when he was like 19 or whatever. And some players actually come through too early and you can have burnout with some players. So that's something we're taking into account. And then you look like Bruno Fernandes. I mean, you've used... De Bruyne is an example. That is a quality example there. Um, but Bruno Fernandes, well, he was like 23 when he was playing in Italy for like Sampdoria. Uh, you know, he, he didn't break out until he was 24, 25. And it's only really been the last two seasons that he's, his name's really been on the map. And I think some of these creative midfielders like De Bruyne, like Bruno Fernandes, they have that technical ability. They have the vision and it's there but maybe there's just something missing. And I think if you can get onto those players on Football Index, that's where the money is really going to be for the next two or three seasons. And there is going to be players who don't look that spectacular right now, who are like 22, 23, like you say. Um, And they're they're going to become the best players in the world over the next three or four years. And I I guess that's not really always spoke about. So it is a really good point you've made there. Yeah, it's it's all about, just for the listeners, like, we talk about this a lot, but you've got to try and look at things in a different way to everybody else. Because if you're looking at the same areas as everyone else, you're going to see the same things and you're going to be led to the same players who already have a premium, which is why I'm kind of forcing myself to use this self-imposed buying strategy where I have to be bidding at or very close to the minimum that I can bid for a player, which means that even if a player is good and I want to buy him, if they're currently attracting a lot of bids, then I have to look elsewhere because there's always going to be options that are, less attractive at the minute but are a really attractive long term yeah exactly it's about finding an edge really now and the market is probably more competitive amongst different traders than it used to be because i guess in the past almost everyone who was like half decent at football and football index appeared value because the market was just growing and the platform was growing and the dividends were a tiny percentage of what they are now which basically just meant a lot of players were just intrinsically valuable and were going to return their price and dividends. But now there's definitely less of that and it really is about finding that edge and doing something maybe a little bit different to other traders. Another thing that I noticed in my analysis of PB scores over 250 was that once you got on, once you got into like that player's third or fourth PB score over 250, 
there was barely any capital appreciation. Obviously, you're earning dividends, and that's brilliant. But it was really that first PB score of 250 plus where the players' price actually really rocketed. So it could arguably be, be more profitable to find those players who are yet to hit that 250 and the players that have already done so, obviously. There's so many arguments you can make here about the risk and the less chance of players doing that, but you've got like the regression to the mean, um, you've got so many psychological biases which could maybe influence you buying someone who's already done well, but that may not necessarily mean that they're better than other players who are yet to hit a high PV score. So I really do think finding an edge in the market and trying to overcome many psychological biases is going to be what is key and also just throwing in a sprinkle of patience I think you'll be all right really for the next few seasons yeah and that's one of the reasons I really prefer using the per 90 statistics to try and find future potential players because it's it's easy to see once someone's scoring highly that they're a good player but when someone's only getting like 30 minutes a game or 20 minutes a game it's hard to be able to tell how good they're going to be but if you can find someone like I use Musa Barrow as an example I know I use him all the time but I, when I first did the analysis on him, I wasn't really looking at him as a player. But when I saw in the bits of games that he had played, the number of shots and like key passes and dribbles he was having, I was like, if you extrapolate that out to a 90-minute game where he's actually solidified a place in the team, then he should, in theory, be able to hit some good PV scores. And obviously, we've seen that in recent weeks and you know in recent months even when he's won a couple of PVs. So that's a good strategy for trying to find players if you're looking at players who are on the fringes of teams already. Yeah, well, absolutely. And the key thing is you were looking at him before his price had already risen. And that's the main differentiation that we need to make is that players' prices often do get built up on their past PB scores. But if you can find a player whose PB score is going to improve and there isn't that speculation and their price hasn't already risen because of that, that's where the money really lies. And that is quite difficult to do. There's more and more traders trying to do the same thing now. So it's harder to have an edge, but there are still areas in the market. I think one trader's got like a sort of technique where they buy players based on them having a vegan diet. And, you know, there's so many different things that you can do. I was listening to an interview earlier today of one of Sheffield Wednesday's young upcoming talents. We've not had one in years. And I actually really like this player called Alex Hunt. And in his interview, he stated both how his ambition is massive. He's never going to be sort of really happy with his own performance because he's nowhere near where he wants to be. And he also mentioned, and this was the most important thing for me, was that his, one of his biggest hobbies is yoga. And I think that's fantastic. Like, if you can go away and find a player's interview and hear that they're, you know, they're really into yoga or whatever it is, that can be a good indicator that they're really sort of going the extra mile to get into the best physical shape or whatever it may be. And... I'll be honest, I've actually taken up yoga over the last few days and I can see that maybe helping me with my football because I am the least flexible person in the world. So it could be a good thing to do. So there's so many things that you can look into and it's not all about just looking at the past data and extrapolating that and trying to use that to guide decisions. There's many different avenues you can take. Yeah, definitely. And yoga and veganism are definitely, too, like I'm, I'm not a yoga. I, I've done yoga in the past. I don't practice it currently and I'm not a vegan, but... If, if an athlete had those two tricks, and I would definitely see that as a positive because it's going to reduce injuries, it's going to improve recovery times. And, you know, like Messi and Aguero, I think, are vegans when the season's on. So there's some pretty big players who obviously see the benefits. So it's just like a professionalism in it, and, and it just shows their appetite to be better and to give themselves an edge over other players. 
yeah, I mean, they may not have the appetite for decent food, but it shows a lot of discipline, doesn't it? And we talk about mindset and discipline all the time when we're not on the podcast and, you know, we talk about our books and whatever that we're reading. But I think that is massive for football too. And having that, because I don't do yoga every day. I started like a few days ago and I'm already struggling to keep up with it because it's hard to sort of motivate myself to do it each day. And same with like veganism, I couldn't, I couldn't be a vegan just because I don't have the discipline. I mean, maybe I'd like to for the sort of diet side of things and uh, many other reasons, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't give up like nice food, you know, so it's, it really does show something. And I guess maybe you're going to see the discipline on the pitch and that is a key thing um, for any player. So there's, there's probably more we could go into here, but maybe we, maybe we should wrap it up here before we get, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if anyone's going to be hated on the yoga and vegan claims but I reckon there's something in there I reckon there is yeah and it's not like we're saying everyone should go out and do it we're just saying footballers if they choose yeah. to it's really a good thing if, if you if you look at it as an investment it's like if you're going to invest in a player and you know that that player is going to look after themselves and they're trying to keep fit then it's it's good for you anyway yeah exactly and like if you're going to have vegans out there you may as well try and make money out of it <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I think we should wrap it up here. I'm just going to say something bad in a minute. But yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you so much for coming on again, Kevin. Any final words for this week? No, just thanks for having me and uh, good luck to everyone out there. Yeah, nice one. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you've had a great day. Hope you enjoy the football tonight, whatever night it is. I'm sure there is some football on. I'm going to go and watch the Man City Leon game. Look forward to that. I'll keep an eye out for Cornet for you, Kevin. You still holding? I do, yeah. Um, I'm actually, I've got a few of them up for sale just because I want to, I was hoping he might get a bit of a spike in price for the game and then uh, I'll put a bid in and try and get him for lower. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. I think that's a wise strategy. I've done that with a few players at the minute uh, because you can really take advantage of the sort of recency bias and people buying in for these, for these games. But I don't hold any of him. I'll keep an eye out. I don't think I'll hold any players tonight. But yeah, it should be an interesting game. I reckon Man City will probably win, but... This will probably be listened by most people after the game, so I couldn't really make any claims. So, there we go. Thank you for listening, as always. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and goodbye. <laughs>